Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Welcome to episode five, My Heartbreak Story. So this is the first episode where I am completely unscripted. I don't have an outline. I really don't have an agenda or specific gems I want to drive home for you. I would say my only agenda is to help you guys have a better understanding of who I am, why I do what I do, and what my rock bottom story is really all about that I've referenced in the last four episodes, what that was really all about and how I moved through it. And by the way, it's it's a lot of what not to do <laughs> in this story, which is why I'm so passionate about serving so many women going through heartbreak. Yes, I work with men as well. And I do also want to hit home on the fact that, yes, this this show is called How to Stop Wanting Him Back. I explained this in the show description that this podcast is for anyone who's going through it. I just speak specifically as a heterosexual woman from my own personal experience with men, but heartbreak is universal. And I coach straight men who listen to this podcast. I I, uh, coach homosexual women who listen to this podcast and relate. Uh, Recently, a a friend said who's a, a girlfriend who's married to another woman and is not going through heartbreak still listens to my podcast because she said she still gets so much out of it because it's really all about the power of our minds dictating how we feel. So there's something for everyone here. But again, I just specifically address my experience with heartbreak with men. And really, the reason why I do what I do is because of this one rock bottom situation that occurred eight years ago. And I do ask that you hear the story out. There will be a little bit of like, you know, some juicy details of his quote unquote audacity. But even me calling that label him as having the audacity to do the things that he did, right, is a thought. Um, So there might be a couple of juicy details, but my intention is not to scathe this man or for you guys to say, Claire, I'm so sorry you went through that. I get that a lot when I share my heartbreak story, when people ask me, why do you, why specifically heartbreak? And I say, you know, because I've actually been through some pretty fucked up situations and so I'm really passionate about it. And people go, I'm so sorry, which is such a human reaction, right? When we hear that someone's been through pain, we say, I'm so sorry. If we lose a loved one, right? I'm so sorry for your loss. But I don't see it. I'm like, please don't be. I now do what I do. I now serve women who are going through it. And I serve women who aren't going through it, but who just want to take their lives to the next level. And And men as well, which is just so exciting. I love when men show up to do the work. It's just amazing. And when they're vulnerable and they want to move through their shit and they recognize that the only thing that is getting in their way is their minds. And that is exactly what happened with me eight years ago in this rock bottom relationship. So I had just moved back from LA. It was June 2010. I'd been in LA for a year and really struggled because I was nursing uh, some wounds over a, a previous heartbreak with someone who's now a dear friend. But we did have a toxic relationship, not because it was emotionally abusive. We were just, we loved each other so 
much, but we totally had a different idea of how we wanted to be in a romantic relationship. And so we kept butting heads and it was so heartbreaking to end it. And I did not want it to end. I would have probably kept going back and forth. So he did me the biggest favor by saying, we, we've got to stop this. So today, 10 years later, he and I are great friends. I actually hope to have him on this podcast because we just have like a great laugh about our drama back in the day. But I really like that was my first adult like heartbreak and I had no tools. And in that year stint in L.A., I discovered yoga and meditation, the classic L.A. cliche of the actress soul searching and discovering yoga and meditation for her spiritual awakening. I have to laugh about it because it really is such a cliche, but it was the most important first step on my healing journey. And I attracted dear friends who really opened up those doors for me. And I loved it and loved it so much that I decided, okay, well, the economy crashed and I can no longer support myself as an, a commercial actress solely. So I moved back to New York where I had a huge network and got my yoga teacher training and decided to use my yoga teaching as a plan B to support my plan A. And in swoops in my rock bottom X. That's what we'll call him. I'd met him a few years prior. He was actually friends with my most recent ex. And I always kind of thought this guy is shady. He doesn't treat his girlfriend well. He tells us he's not with her when she's not around and super good looking. But everything in my gut, the first time I met him, I was like, that guy's trouble. But he was always kind to me. But I always felt there was an ulterior motive. But here I was, super vulnerable, still licking my wounds over the recent ex prior to him and vulnerable, moving at home with my parents to pay for for yoga teacher training to get back on my feet. So I was very vulnerable, very humbled, kind of thinking, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And in swoops in Rock Bottom X, who just was wide open arms, super cute, invited me to his play. He was amazing in the play. I'm not afraid to give a compliment where I think it's due. Um, and we just took off and it was amazing and fireworks and he professed his undying love for me for two years prior since he laid eyes on me and his friends and his family confirmed all of that and we I quickly moved in August of 2010 when I started my yoga teacher training and he was just like just stay with me and we fell madly in love. So my business coach always says, you know, when things, looking back on situations, what worked, what didn't work, what would I do differently next time without shame, right? So definitely what didn't work is moving in like six weeks after starting to see someone who you thought was totally shady for years prior. But I was different, right? Anyone out there relate? Oh, but he told me I was different. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, and now I have all these tools because I'm a yogi and I meditate and I'm super grounded and I do all the things and I've read so many self-help books. So I thought I was so evolved. <laughs> and you know that the work has worked when you can look back and totally laugh, right? I did think it was a little crazy at the time, but I was like, he loves me. I love him. This is it. I'm different. I've got the tools. And it was amazing for the first few months. He took the best care of me. And I was so broke. He didn't pay, He didn't ask for rent. I mean, it was like he took care of me in a lot of ways. And he was busting his ass too, but he was good to me. And I hadn't had that in a really long time. And I just thought, this is it. This is it. 
and he came home for Thanksgiving. He came home for Christmas. But so, yeah, I'd moved in August, but slowly but surely moving into October-ish, I'm thinking, shit's shady. Shit's shady. My my intuition was saying, why can I not reach my boyfriend like all day? I have no idea where he is, who he's with. And when I'd ask him like, oh, where were you? I just felt like I could just tell he was lying. He kept me very separate from his theater company, who I used to hang out with all the time when I lived in New York prior to L.A. I addressed that I thought this woman, Victoria, was being very, like, cold to me the first couple of times that we were kind of out as a couple with the group. And he told me, oh, babe, she's just so in love with me. And I told her I didn't want to be with anybody. But then you came back and I had to be with you. So she's like really hurt. So I felt bad, but I was kind of like, oh, like I feel bad. But like, yeah, we're in love and like this is it. So, okay, you know. And cut to Christmas. There's a lot of activity going on with his company. Again, I'm not even invited to the Christmas party. Meanwhile, his good friend, who was his roommate, um, said, Claire, why aren't you ready? Like, come to the Christmas party. And I'm like, I heard it was only for the people in the company. And he looked at me like, oh, oh, like as if he didn't get that memo. And I was just like, something's not right. Something's going on with him and Victoria. And I kept pushing and I kept tapping him on the shoulder about it. And it ultimately came down to, Claire, you are crazy. I am madly in love with you. You have demons inside of you that I'm going to help you with, babe. There is no conspiracy theory here. I love you. And I was like, "Mm, something ain't right. But I also thought I must be crazy because if the man who I love and who says he wants me to be the mother of his children and has a diamond waiting for me to put a ring on my finger, I must be crazy, right? Because I wanted so badly for him to be the person he seemed to be the first couple of months in the relationship. But I was unraveling. I wasn't buying any of it. Um, Things were getting rocky and um, cut to my 30th birthday in February, a week before the party. We were actually having a good day. And it was a Monday. It was freezing cold, New York City. He was going off to rehearsal with his company Monday night and everything was good. And I had a glass of red wine and he left and he was like, love you, babe. See you later. I'm like, great. Love you. And I'm doing work on his computer. And I was just like feeling good. Oh, I was looking over my invitation for my, my 30th birthday. It's all coming back to me. And I just, my my hand just innocently, the mouse just innocently went into his email. It wasn't like he left and I was like, I'm going to go check his email, which I did do later, um, a few months later. And I found these disgusting emails between him and an ex. It wasn't even Victoria. And by the way, I'm using Victoria's name because she's now a dear friend and she's going to come on this episode. So I'm not outing this woman's name and I will never use my rock bottom ex's name. I'm not here to scathe him. I'm just here to share my my story. Yeah, disgusting emails with next. I was devastated. I did not know what to do. I had lost it and eventually moved home. And he did and said all the right things to suck me back in. So what I do want to point out is that there's a big difference between inappropriate behavior with another woman lying to me, not saying where he is. And then there's something called being a narcissistic sociopath. I've dated douchebags. I've dated people who lie or who are being shady. And then there's Rock Bottom X, who 100% from my experience, my research, I'm certainly not a psychotherapist or psychologist, but through my research, checks off all the boxes for being a bona fide narcissistic sociopath. So what they do is they idealize you, they devalue you, 
they discard you, and then they suck you back in. So totally idealize me. I've been pining for you for years. This is it. I'm in love with you. And then devalue. You're crazy. You're crazy, babe. I would never do that to you. I love you. Let's work on your demons. So a lot of gaslighting. And that makes me feel fucking crazy, right? And then I'm just like unraveling and then discards, right? So he's like going astray and then I see the shady business, right? So he did beg me to stay. He was crying on his knees. It was so sad at the time. And I was devastated because I didn't know what to do. I couldn't stay. I couldn't go. It was so horrific. And then I eventually left, but he sucked me back in with all the right things to say. And we were going to work on the relationship. So I was going to spend a few nights a week in his apartment Cut to March. He surprises me with a dog one night. He'd been talking about wanting to get a dog. I thought it was a little, mm, I don't know if it's the best idea because they're a huge responsibility and they're a huge financial responsibility and we weren't in a place to do that. And we were also talking about moving in together the following October that once his lease was up. And so I felt like I should be a part of the decision and go to the dog park, but I wasn't invited. And he sent me a picture from the dog park of this one particular puppy Turns out when I look back, um, I went back to that picture and I recognized Victoria's profile. He had cut her out of the picture and sent me a picture of the dog from the park. Got the dog with her and claims he did not get it with her to share it with her. But Victoria is a very different version. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb and believe hers, <laughs> even though so many people he has managed to manipulate into believing that Victoria is crazy and insane and a sad, pathetic person. She's been described as delusional. But I know her story. I know my story. And I 100% you could put a gun to my head and ask me who's telling the truth and who isn't, I would without fear say Victoria is 100% telling the truth. I can tell you just with my word, you guys, as you're listening, I am 100% telling the truth. I found multiple pairs of underwear that wasn't mine. He was fully dating us and sleeping with both of us, unbeknownst to us. This is the first time I've ever said this out loud, but she and I I'm getting emotional. She and I did share an STD that we got from him. And, um, you know, that's where it does become physical abuse because the last conversation I had with him was, you need to tell Victoria. When I got word that they were dating, I said, you need to share this with Victoria. And he said, I'm not dating her. I'm not dating her. Now, his his now sister-in-law told me that they exchanged Christmas presents as couples with each other. And he's telling me, I am not dating her. Like, I'm still the crazy bitch that's telling, that's, you know, assuming that he's dating her. And I said, you, I'm giving you the decency and I'm giving her the decency to let you know that you have given me this. And 100% if you've given this to me, you've given this to her. And um, you need to tell her. And if you don't tell her, I will. And he goes, I'll tell her, I'll tell her, I'll tell her. So he never did. And then when I officially found out that there was an overlap a couple of months later, I reached out to Victoria's best friend. And I said, I have a feeling she doesn't know. And it turned out he never told her. He never told her. And he has continued around that time and continues to do this with her, tell everyone how crazy she is and that they never were living together, which they were. And Victoria has all the proof to prove it. I have all the proof to prove that we were dating much longer than what he ever claimed he told Victoria, Claire is insane. I'm I'm thinking that she's going to do something to herself. So I, st I stay friends with her because I worry about her. And he said to me, Victoria is just this sad, pathetic person who, um, you know, I feel sorry for. And so we're, you know, partners in this, we're a team in this um, company together. Uh, but 
We are not romantically involved. I'm not attracted to her. All the things. And he was fully dating both of us. And we have plenty of evidence to prove it. So where did we pick up the pieces from there? Well, Victoria is going to be a a special guest on this show. And we're going to get into how triangulation is bullshit. It is never about the other woman. The other woman is never the crazy bitch. He is not. Don't believe that shit, you guys. The only person who's going crazy is yourself because you're engaging in it and believing his lies and not listening to your gut and not following through. And I say that with love, not to shame you, but it is never about the other woman. And what if that other woman is, you know, Victoria and I actually really did. We would see each other at auditions. It was crazy. And we were always like, hello, how are you? But we never had the conversation. And we look back at that time and we think about, could we have nipped it in the bud? And as you all know, If you've listened to my other episodes, everything unfolds exactly how it's supposed to. So I left when I was supposed to. She left when she was supposed to. But yeah, it's never, you know, like what if Victoria was like, you crazy bitch at an audition? Like that's just because of what he told her about me. Right. But actually, Victoria and I had a lovely respect for each other. We never said a bad word about each other to our mutual friends. And now I consider her a soul sister on so many levels. And it's not about him. Yes, we have this bond that nobody else understands. And that's what I really want to hit home for those of you who are not familiar with narcissistic sociopathy. It is an insidious kind of abuse. It is it's very manipulative and it's a slow boil. And it is something that is just so hard to explain unless you have experienced it because Victoria is just someone who has the highest of moral compasses and the hugest heart and has taken care and done so much for so many. And I think that probably was her downfall was that she was willing to accept so much of people's flaws. And he did a wonderful job of painting her to be this crazy person and pathetic person and who was needy and desperate to be loved and all the things. Um, So that essentially is the story. It took me, as I said in the last episode, two to three years to recover. I really could barely function. It took everything in me to show up to teach. I was skin and bone. Casting A casting director told my agent that he would not see me until I got well. I didn't even understand what that meant. I didn't realize how much weight I had lost. And I want to pause again. I'm not saying this. He did this to me. I did that to myself. I didn't have the tools I didn't have that support that I needed. I didn't have the proper therapist. And I tried multiple therapists. I shouldn't say, I tried three and they were all ridiculous. I hated them. They were cold and very clinical. And I just was like, this is not working. Finally found a godsend therapist in LA Um, told her, you know, I've been reading the books. I get exactly what's going on. I am a witness to my thoughts. I can be with the physical pain in my body. I can find my feet on the ground. I can breathe through it. I can tell you exactly what the thoughts are. How do I change it? How do I heal them? How do I grow from there? So we really worked on becoming a compassionate witness and cultivating self-love. I never really understood what it meant to actually practice that, which was really, you know, putting my hand on my heart, breathing, Claire, I love you. I've got you. You're doing amazing. So when she first started introducing those techniques, I was like, fuck this. (laughs) I really was so resistant. And I told her, I said, look, Ashley, I'm coming to you because I trust you and I really like respect your expertise. But when you give me that, I want to peel my skin off because I was so resistant to giving myself the love. And that took time and that took a committed practice beyond 
the physical practice of yoga beyond the breath, beyond sitting in meditation and being with the physical discomfort and my emotional pain. So we would move through that every week for two, two and a half years. And I really started to feel a shift. And I started just wanting to really help people, people in my acting class who were going through it. I would say, you know, read this book and it's not this, it's this because, you know, all actors are going through it. (laughs) And um, I just became inspired to really make this um, a service I wanted to offer people and just kind of thought about doing therapy, but realized I really wasn't passionate about healing mental illness or addiction or trauma. I really was more passionate about serving women like myself who I I never went on medication. And again, I'm not anti-medication. I think medication is totally something that is important and valuable, but do the therapy first, do the mindfulness first, put the right food in your body before you're popping pills, right? Make the commitment to healing yourself and downloading your thoughts and talk therapy and leaning on safe, trusted loved ones and taking care of you before you're popping pills. That's my own two cents there. And so I discovered Martha Beck's life coach training program about two and a half years ago. And that's where I really started to learn how to shift my story, to grow, to take inspired action, to create change, to show up in new dating relationships in a totally different way, to actively love on me in multiple different ways, and to keep walking the walk and talking the talk. Now, have I fallen on my face? Have I gotten heartbroken since? Absolutely. And I have no shame in that. And I'm still single. And I have no shame in that. This has been my journey. And I still show up and love on me and fall on my face and then get back up. And it's amazing. And I embrace all of it. And I've now been serving women like me and watching their transformations has been getting choked up again. So worth any severe pain that I have been through, which definitely my darkest hours was that rock bottom relationship. And where I am today is totally worth what I went through. And I have no doubt that I will never enter into a relationship like that because the love I have for myself will never put me in that place again. So I want to offer that to any of you who are so lost, so broken, so hopeless, so fearful, so doubtful of yourself and not trusting of yourself that if you get into a relationship again, you'll find yourself in the same place. That is total bullshit. If you do this work and you show up, and you lean into your pain, and you want to actually like move through the sessions and then take action outside of the sessions, if you want to retrain your brain every single day, how many of you work out five times a week? You take the time out for that. You get in your car. How much time does that take? You do your workout, and then you have to come back home, and you have to shower and a whole thing. Your workout, however many times a week, could probably take up three hours, three and a half hours for prepping, getting there, doing it, coming back, showering, all the things. Can you commit 15, 20 minutes, a half hour to managing your mind? And that's what I teach. That is what I practice. That is what I 100% believe in, is cultivating the love for yourself, getting clear on who you are, how you show up in the world, your boundaries, your passions, breaking through the blocks that hold you back from pursuing those passions, not giving a fuck what other people think, not giving a fuck what he is saying about you, who gives two shits, not giving a fuck about who he's with, what he's doing, what his accomplishments are. Like That has no effect on me. 
because all I have time is to focus on me and creating the life of my dreams and waking up every day loving on myself and just never giving up on pursuing what I want to pursue and creating the life I want to create and spending time with high quality people who continue to raise me up. Whether that's a man, whether that's my friends, whether that's my clients. Sometimes it's just not going to work out with clients. They don't want to do the work. And that's totally okay. It took me a long time to get here. But for any of you who are listening right here, right now, it doesn't have to take you two to three years because I am here to share with you how you can move through it so much quicker. I love you guys so much. It feels super vulnerable to have talked like this for 24 minutes, going on 25, but freeing, freeing as fuck. I've F-bombed a lot. Hope I'm not offending anyone. Hope none of my mom's friends are listening or my mom. Um, But let me know if you have any questions. Let me know what your thoughts are here. I would love to continue this conversation. You can email me at clareyourmindcoaching at gmail.com, C-L-A-I-R-E, your mind coaching at gmail.com. And if you are looking to do this work, I give you information at the end of how you can do that with me. So much love. Reach out, share your stories with me. Let's keep this conversation going because you are not your victim story. You do not have to live your life worrying or carrying the pain from your relationship into the present. Mwah! Love you guys. And thank you so much for all the support and the love for How to Stop Wanting Him Back. This has just been such a huge passion project of mine, and I'm having so much fun with it. And I hope you spread the word to anyone who you think could use some of the gems that I offer here. All right. Till next time. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.